world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land of freedom for God, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. Uh, we got a pack studio today. We do, and there's a lawyer <coughs> in here. I thought it was uh, like a leak in the sewer system. In the bleachers, we have uh, Curtis, Jay's uh, son, yes. and David Padua, who will be on uh, later in the show. And uh, Dan Schmutter's here to discuss the Ninth Circuit uh, ruling and maybe give us some updates on our lawsuits in New Jersey. Yeah. And Jay Factor and Mark Cheeseman are here with their uh, Restore, Carry, and Jay case that mm -hmm. we've been talking about and they've been on before. So they're going to give us some updates as well. So without further ado, for the you're here for two segments, Dan, so you better get to the point where we're chomping at the bit here. The Ninth Circuit had a ruling. No, no pressure, There's only Dan. a three-judge no panel, I believe, right? Yes. Okay. But they had a ruling. I would love you to share with our listeners because it gave me a, a, a slim ray of hope. So what can you, what light can you shed on this? Well, first of all, I, I always get straight to the point, Anthony. You know that. Yeah, I know. Come on. I know. Um, he bills by the second, by the way. Not even by the minute. <laughs> by the second. He has to. The fractions don't go that high. And I, w I, would, I would love to formally thank Sandy for the sewer comment that was... Uh, You're very <laughs> welcome. No problem. You can I add that to the repertoire. I, I love you, uh, Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> yes, no um, <laughs> hey, look, you're not a med mal guy, so I'm good with you, you know? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, your uh, your listeners, of course, know that we have a lawsuit in federal court uh, challenging the recent uh, magazine ban. Um, uh, just recently, as everybody knows, um, uh, Governor Murphy signed into law a mm. prohibition on magazines greater than 10 rounds. Um, and so, we uh, the same day it was signed, we went into federal court, filed a lawsuit uh, challenging the statute, seeking to have it uh, stricken as unconstitutional. Um, we were in court last week on uh, a, our motion for a preliminary injunction, and just so, so your listeners understand what that is and how that works, um, we were arguing that the court should prevent the implementation of the law during the lawsuit. Uh, so for example, as everybody knows, there's a 180-day implementation period for the magazine prohibition, and lawsuits typically take much longer than that to resolve themselves. And so if we ended up going to trial in this case, for example, a year from now or, or longer, people would have had to have gotten rid of their magazines or would have had to have employed one of the, the methods uh, permitted under the statute long before the case got resolved and long before our challenge got hurt. Uh, so what you do is you go in and you ask for an injunction to prevent the implementation of the law while the case is being heard. And then ultimately, once the case is heard, the judge will decide one way or the other. But meanwhile, people don't, wouldn't have had to have gotten rid of their magazines. So that was our application for a preliminary injunction. Um, it was heard initially last week. And what the judge decided was that he wanted to hear testimony. Is this uh, good or bad that the judge wanted to hear testimony? It, it, neither. It, it's, it, is, it is just procedurally how he wanted to, 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 uh, to, to move the case. Um, you know, there's one way of doing it is deciding the case solely on the law. 
Um, and that was our original position. And we asked the judge to decide it based on the case law and based on the law, uh, the, the, the based on the Second Amendment law itself. He decided, now, as part of that application, both sides put in expert affidavits. We put in two affidavits, one by uh, a criminologist, Professor Gary Kleck, mm -hmm. and one by uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, James Corcorado from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And the government put in uh, declarations from, uh, from four people, several uh, folks from the state police and, uh, and a few others. And so what the judge decided was he wanted to hear from them. And so what we're going to be doing in August is we're going to, the, these six experts are going to give live testimony in court. Uh, they're going to be subject to cross-examination, and the judge will hear them personally as opposed to simply reading what they put down on paper. Now, you're going to be cross-examining them with the NRA's legal team? We, yes, we, we will be cross-examining their experts. They will be cross-examining our experts, and, uh, and we'll see how th the state's experts, for example, hold up under cross-examination in open court. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's, it's an opportunity to test the things that they're trying to say in opposition to our claim. And you know we welcome that opportunity because we think that uh, we think that their experts will not uh, hold up uh, uh, under uh, under the challenges that we think we'll be able to break. So uh, you know we're we're looking forward to that, and that's going to happen in August. And um, you know we'll see what happens. But uh, you know we, we uh, I think we like our chances uh, in the in the hearing. What's your thoughts on Judge Sheridan, who is uh, presiding over the case? Uh, he seems uh, very fair. Uh, he seems open-minded, which is good. He's not like the Hawaiian judge on the Ninth Circuit? The, the, I will tell you that J Judge Sheridan, um, you know, he basically said, look, I want to hear from these witnesses. I want to see what they have to say. Um, what we did was, a after the judge had basically made the determination that he was going to have the evidentiary hearing with the live testimony, um, he still held some argument so that the attorneys could each give their uh, a sense of what the legal issues are, what the case law says, why each side thinks that they're likely to prevail in the case. And based upon the questions that uh, that the judge asked and based upon the, the, the interaction uh, with the attorneys, uh, he did seem you know, reasonably open-minded, which is good. You know, you, that, that, that's, look, that's the most you really can ask for when you go into court. Is sure. You want a judge that has not prejudged the issue, that doesn't already have strong views. You want a judge that's open-minded is going to listen to what you have to say. Um, and, you know, our, our sense of it is that, you know, we, we strongly believe that we're right and that we have the better argument uh, on the facts and the law. So when you have a judge that appears to be open-minded, you know, you're, you're already a step ahead if you think that you can show that you're correct. And that's important, you know. So, so now how's California come into well, play? Well, so w what was very interesting is, is, is the timing of this. Uh, there is a case uh, out of California called Duncan versus Becerra. Uh, last year, the district judge, now that's also a I want to bitch case. slap Becerra, by the way, <laughs> the Attorney General of yeah. California. Yeah. Open hand, I want to, anyway, but go ahead. That, that's Allegedly, a, I want to do that. That's also a magazine mm -hmm. case. That's also a magazine case, very, yes. sim very similar to our case. And uh, last year, the district judge granted a preliminary injunction in that case, which is, of course, uh, very useful for us because um, it's a, it is a good example of what we think Judge Sheridan should do as well. Um, and our, so our hearing, our, we were in court last Thursday. This Tuesday, the Ninth Circuit affirmed the granting of the preliminary injunction, which was very, very nice to see, um, because it's, it's you know any time a court of appeals, particularly the Ninth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit has not historically been very favorable to us. We our know, and so um, it's very nice to see a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit affirm 
the uh, the proper discretion employed by the district judge to preliminary enjoin the implementation of California's magazine law to allow the uh, the lawsuit to continue without people having to dispose of their magazines. So we think that's a that's a very good precedent for us. We think that uh, the Ninth Circuit's decision was correct, and we think that it's a good reason why uh, Judge Sheridan should uh, f should follow that. Uh, that now, now Sheridan has to use that case law right now, right? From, from from the Ninth Circuit or no? The Ninth Circuit, he's not, he is not, he's not controlled by the Ninth Circuit. Okay. He's bound by the Third Circuit. Okay. But, you know, it, it is persuasive to look at the Ninth Circuit and to see the reasoning both from the district judge and from the Court of Appeals. So, so Sheridan can't ignore that, that well, information. He, he, so he can? He does yeah, he can. He doesn't have to follow it. Okay. But he should follow it. And, you know, our job is to show him why the Ninth Circuit got it right and why the district judge got mm -hmm. it right mm -hmm. in the in the uh, in the California case. And you know, if we're doing our job correctly, and uh, then then you know we ought to be able to convince Judge Sheridan that that was the correct the correct approach. But you know, he's 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 his own judge. He's not bound by the Ninth Circuit, and he's going to make his own decision based upon what's before him. Um, and and we you know I think I, I think we are we feel uh, strongly that he will make the right decision and he'll uh, he'll do the right thing. Now, if he rules against us in California, there's an imbalance there. Doesn't that give us better uh, act, a better chance of going to the Supreme Court? Well, bear in mind, after Judge Sheridan, the case would go up to the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit first, okay. right? And so the Third Circuit would have to determine. So if Judge Sheridan grants a preliminary injunction like the district judge in California, then the Third Circuit would have to determine, similarly as the Ninth Circuit had to determine whether he was correct in doing that. On the other hand, if he denies a preliminary injunction, again, we'd go back to the, we'd go to the Third Circuit, and the Third Circuit would have to determine whether he made a mistake in denying it. So either way, the Third Circuit would have to determine whether what he did was proper. So this is like, it's very rare. California is actually helping us which I thought I'd never see. Well, it's not as rare as you think. Don't forget in the Peruta case, which was the California carry case, the original three-judge panel ruled favorably and struck the the uh, restrictions on carry. What happened in Peruta was the full court heard it what's called en banc. En banc. And the Ninth Circuit en banc vacated the decision of the panel and went the other way. So the Ninth Circuit, you know, the Ninth Circuit is not, doesn't always come out a certain way. You know, there are plenty of judges, there are, there's a variety of judges in the Ninth Circuit, and there are plenty of judges that think differently. Um, it's just that it's because the majority of the judges in the Ninth Circuit uh, think a certain way, the, the the numbers don't always favor you if, you if you you're trying to bring certain kinds of cases, particularly Second Amendment cases. But it's not like they're all of the same mind. You know, uh, so so you know it's not always nice to see this kind of thing, and uh, we think this could be very helpful for us. Excellent, thank you. I'm just happy he's on our side. Who Sheridan? No. Oh, Schmutter. Okay. <laughs> I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. 
Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. The world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. And what better way to say I love you than giving the ones you love a gift to keep them safe? Lipstick Bodyguard. It looks just like a beautiful little lipstick, but just like a beautiful woman, it has the power to bring a grown man to his knees. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Just follow the link on the GunForHireRadio.com homepage. Listen to this and other episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and On Demand. And this segment is brought to you by Dr. Henry Medallion, Medallion Chiropractic on Valley Road in Wayne, New Jersey. Check out medallionchiropractic.com, M-A-D-A-L-I-A-N, M-A-D-A-L-I-A-N, chiropractic.com. Check out his Facebook, go on his site, refer your friends and family. He's a shooter here. He can help you improve your shooting, and he can even fix broken old men like me. I can tell you that <laughs> firsthand. So Medallion Chiropractic, support those who support us. Remember also, Dan is employed at Hartman and Winnicki. How do we find you, Dan? Uh, we are at 74 Passaic Street in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Okay, it's Hartman and Winnicki. I refer people to Dan all the time, and all I get back is positive feedback. I also want to specially thank uh, Chuck Leonard and uh, Cliff Toy. I've been out uh, getting petitions. Oh, and also uh, Gary Allison from Beacon Brass. I've been getting these fat envelopes of petitions for Calandro for NRA, so Very I want to thank nice. you guys for everything you're doing. Uh, it's probably be a one three-year term for me once I go in because yeah, I yeah. got a big mouth and I don't take yeah. any shit. But I think it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a good ride. I'll report it and live stream it as it, it goes along. It'll be worth it just for the company. I'm having a custom-made gun for hire jazzy. Um, oh, that's great. Black and red black with and red. flames on it okay, so I can good. fly around that's the good. NRA board Excellent. meetings. Very nice. Nice. So, Dan, uh, nice. these guys have some questions for you before we... He's Dan already disclaimed during break he's not giving legal advice, okay? So, uh, Mark and Jay, what do you got for Dan? Hit him. All right, uh, Dan, uh, Mark Cheeseman. The, the first question I have, and I see this question a lot um, on social media, and I may, I'm actually asked this question a lot, is the, the common firearms owner out there in New Jersey right now with a 15-round magazine, what 
at this point does this person do with his 15 round magazine at this point well your opinion there, there's well there's nothing that's required to be done of course until the 1-800 day period expires of course okay. the problem is if everybody you know if if we get to day 179 there's going to be a rush of people doing things um, that's one of the reasons why our preliminary injunction motion is very important because we don't want there to be uh, uh, first of all we, we, we were trying to avoid people immediately disposing of their magazines right um, and we'd like we'd like people not to have to do that we also don't want people to have to rush on day 179 to suddenly find someone to either, you know, uh, alter their magazine, modify it within the statute, or to sell it or something like that. So, so what we what we're trying to do here is get the preliminary injunction granted, which then would, uh, you know, if if our relief is granted, it would stay everything, and then everybody can calm down and see how the how the uh, lawsuit turns out. That that's the goal, at least. Right. Okay. Um, my second question. Um, let's say uh, that somebody wants to head out to the range with their 15 round magazine at this point no they should not do that they should not no. do that okay no, the the, the, uh, the uh, there's actually a, a very good analysis out there that's been released by Evan Knapp and um, and he has he's he's looked at the statute the new statute he's compared it to existing New Jersey gun law and he's concluded rightly I believe that you can keep it if you've got it for the time being within the the 180 period, but you can't transport it, so you can't you, you shouldn't be taking it to the range. Uh, if you've got one of the rare carry permits in New Jersey, you shouldn't be carrying it. Right. You know, leave it in your house for the time being. Obviously, if you want to do something with it uh, under the statute, you're entitled to. But you know, uh, as I said, our goal is to try to get an injunction so that people don't have to dispose of them. You should not be carrying them, taking them anywhere. Don't take them to the range. Don't carry them in your carry gun if you've got a carry permit. Leave them home. All right, and, and that leads me to my last question. Um, let's say that the uh, motion for injunction is granted at that point in time. Would we be able to use our 15-round magazines uh, again? Depends on what the actual ruling is. Okay. Um, you know, we... Without, without, you know, if we prevail on that motion, it would depend on the, the actual order, what the order says. Okay. And I'm sure if we do prevail on the motion, I imagine uh, NGRPC will be releasing a statement about the result and about, you know, sort of uh, what we accomplished if we're able to, to do this. So, you know, it's, it's at this point until the judge rules and until he rules favorably, uh, we can't Sorry, know exactly so what's we, going we don't have an answer to that Correct. yet. Okay, great. Correct. All right. Thank you. Good. Sure. Good. Jay, what do you got, Jay? And don't hug the mic, Mark. I have uh, I have one question about the expert witnesses from uh, New Jersey, not your expert witnesses. Did the legislature consult those expert witnesses at any time before they created this law, or did they just create it because they thought 15-round magazines were bad? Well, what do that you will, think? That will presumably come out in discovery. Um, we don't know the exact process at this point, um, but presumably one of the things we'll want to know is that type of a question. Um, there are going to be depositions taken of the, all of the experts before the August trial. Um, and so, you know, we'll be asking all sorts of questions of the experts. They'll be asking uh, our, our experts questions as well. Okay. What else? No other questions? We got them here. Let's ask away. Uh -huh. You guys realize what I realize. We, we're on the social media. Do you realize how ignorant some people are to yeah. our cause? Like people are. Yeah. I post it like the Ninth Circuit. Good people point. are posting. 
15 rounds aren't legal anymore? Yeah. Like, we're, we're right. Dave's nodding his head back there. Mm -hmm. Dave, half my customers that come in here, when did this happen? I'm out there. I talk to everybody right. advertising. Right. We have the show. We're on social right. media. ANGRPC sends out emails. I can't. You see, Dan, Dan, I see you correcting people all the time. You're like, time. Somebody said time for a lawsuit on the mag ban. They, right? Yeah. You saw it. Did you oh, see yeah. it? Yeah. Time for a lawsuit. Yeah. So I put the link for the lawsuit. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, like, where the hell have you been for the past? Uh, I, man, right. I'm telling you, there's 200 of us that do the heavy I, lifting I think, in this know, entire I, effing state. 200 tops. And I'm and I'm I'm probably being generous. Well, I think you got to be, be a little lenient on some uh, some of the newer people who are joining. Um, yeah, I know but on the my older page, people, the, you, the older people are. I have four neighbors. Okay, I live in a pretty mm -hmm. rural part of the state. I have four neighbors who are all gun people. You got to get rid of a body. His yard's a good right, spot. Yeah, it's Go a ahead. very good okay. spot. Um, every single one of them, in in one form or another, have basically said to me the following. We rely on you to tell us what's going on. <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious? There you go. You've got, <laughs> join ANJRPC, you cheap bastard. For $40, yeah. it will, you'll get the updates. None of these people knew. And my, my backyard neighbors, basically, you know, he's, he's ex-military. I, 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 all of them are. And they're like, screw that. I'm keeping my stuff. Okay. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to tell you one way or the other what to do. But if you want to be a felon, fine. Hit you know, us, Jack. I still got thirty rounders. That, I didn't hear that. That's. But they appreciate you outing them. But they appreciate. Yes, they yeah. Yeah. That's part of that's part, yes, of, part of the to problem. To a million people, yes, no problem. <laughs> for for Dan to sit here for twenty minutes and talk without any notes, he has to read thousands and thousands of pages. Right. Yep. No right. one wants to read more than three sentences. Correct. So, Correct. So when he says 200 do the heavy lifting, th most people don't want to read any more than a paragraph of no. what any anything and is posted. And you're bored in a paragraph. And, and, and most people that graduated from fourth grade history know what the Second Amendment means, even though they really can't get into a debate and explain to you I exactly why. I don't know why. if they do. I think I think in our little in our little conclave here we believe things that really aren't true you know uh, psychologists have terms for this we're we're affirming each other's beliefs and that's pretty much it it's tantamount to preaching to the choir we just assume that other people have our knowledge you know it's a, it's a dunning kruger effect we we I got to look that up, that up now. Go ahead. <laughs> we assume that everybody has our knowledge, and 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 they don't. No. The, the average person walking down the street, ask him what the Second Amendment is. Uh, the polls that have been recently taking are frightening, to to the point that most millennials believe that socialism, uh, is a good form of government. Yeah. 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 And 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 they don't understand. You know that the progressives have done a very very good job since Woodrow Wilson of sanitizing American history and rewriting yep. American history. We have a, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg who really looks when she adjudicates law, right? Uh, she looks more to the South African Constitution and to the Canadian Constitution because oh that's that's from 1985. It's newer. It's better. It's shinier. No. This is the United States of America. You're a Supreme Court justice. You have one freaking job. It is to look at everything that passes your desk under the watch glass of the Supreme uh, of the 
Constitution of the United States. And now the the the, the new movie. Did anybody see the new movie trailer about uh, Darth Vader Ginsburg movie? No. It's oh. uh, it's great. The the uh, it's got her arguing a case before the Supreme Court. You know, as a as a young plebeian lawyer, and uh, the justice says to her, uh, "Nowhere does it say that women there's women are not mentioned at all in the Constitution." And she fires back, "Neither is freedom." Yeah, uh, yeah, because they want to remove the Bill of Rights from the Constitution. Yeah, they not want to happening. separate the two. There's still they, some of us willing to fight. 1791 not never happened, you know. But you know, the other thing that bothers me is when people say, you know, why aren't we doing anything? Where's the NRA? Well, Where's yeah. ANGRPC? Yeah. You know, you got Mark. You got Jay. How many pages have you read in the past two years? You're probably catching up to Dan. Right, and then we 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 activate, we raise money, we do whatever right. we have to do. Right. Countless hours of our time wasted, sticking our necks out, getting in trouble legally because we stick our necks out. Getting Other on things happen without lattes, without no lattes on the buses. Well, they the buses, they didn't uh, like the foam on the buses. Yeah. The foam on the latte was bad. Right. But you know what? Hopefully, it'll get to a point. You know, now we have a tap water tax coming in New Jersey. Today, Murphy signed a thing. He banned smoking on all public beaches in New Jersey. Oxygen tax is next, you know, so no, walking I'm, tax I'm, is next. I'm actually happy. Right. Because he's the tax man. He he's is the, the tax, tax man. If you take a walk, he'll tax you. <laughs> That's a Beatles song for you youngsters. Dan, this is your last segment. What what else can you add to this? What We have a concealed carry case, ANGRPC, and Cheeseman, and uh, Factor, and these guys have a case. Well, Jay's in the background. He's the Darth Vader of their carry case. What what he grabs them by the neck with the fingers. So what what else? What's going on with that? Well, we have uh, again, as you said, we have the carry case going on. Um, the carry case is moving very rapidly, which is uh, you know which is uh, by design. Um, it's the Rogers versus Graywall case versus the Attorney General. Um, we are actually at the Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit right now. The district judge granted a motion to dismiss as he was required to do under Drake. And the position we took was Drake is incorrectly decided. But the district judge, we acknowledged, didn't have the authority to decide in our favor, and so he was required and compelled to decide against us, and so he, he dismissed the case, and, but he did it quickly instead of dragging it out like uh, many federal cases go. So we're now up at the Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit, and we've made a motion, what's called Motion for Summary Action. We've said to the court essentially the same argument that we made to the district court, which is, we think Drake was wrongly decided. This court doesn't have the authority to overturn Drake. We believe that Drake should be overturned by a court that is confident to do so. Mm -hmm. And so the court should summarily decide the case and move it to the next phase. The government has not surprisingly joined our motion or, or consented to our motion. And so right now the Third Circuit is deciding whether to dispose of the case uh, summarily and quickly. That's Dan Schmutter from Hartman and Winnicki. Do not forget ANJRPC.org. Do not forget NRA. You think all this is for free? So donate and support those who support us. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. For many people walking into a range the first time, it's quite intimidating. So when you walk in through the double doors, the first thing you'll see on your left is a concierge. When people walk in, they can take a tour of the range, or maybe they're coming in for an appointment with one of my instructors or me, and they'll be directed to the right classroom. It kind of softens the entire experience and makes people feel more at home. As you walk further into the range, you're going to notice we have New Jersey's only indoor 50-yard range, which is heated and air-conditioned. 
The dividers at each port are bulletproof. They're extra wide ports so two people can stand side by side and shoot. There's lights in the ports so you're well lit. We also have three times as much light down range that the average range would have because I believe it's important that the targets are well lit. Our target retrieval system is all digital. You program how many feet you want to send it out and it stays there. Both of our ranges are tactically baffled which means when we run our higher level courses you can move forward to the firing line and shoot in any direction and bullets can't escape. When you come out of the 50 yard range to your left you'll see our large classroom and go back up to the concierge and make a right we have two smaller classrooms and those classrooms are for small one-on-one -on -one classes our Build-A-Bear building an AR. As you enter through there you'll see that we have a uh, portal with a key to go into our Platinum Lounge. They can sit around and watch TV on the leather uh, chairs or couches and they can maybe work deals with their uh, clients. And you normally don't see a cafe in an indoor range. In New Jersey, we have this archaic law where you're only supposed to go from your house to the range, range to the house with no unnecessary deviations. I'm seeing a lot more families coming in now where they have multiple kids and the wife will stay in the cafe with one or two kids and they'll do a handoff. To me, it's very important that people are treated like family, so the bathrooms are very high-end. We use marble and corian and really nice tile and full-length dividers so that people are comfortable when they come in. When you exit the bathroom, you'll see the Gun for Hire radio studio where Sandy and I tape our show. After you pass that and you make a left, you'll notice our retail area. Over 120 firearms for rent. As you turn 180 degrees, you see the large sections of bulletproof glass. That's our 25-yard range. And inside our 25-yard range, we have 13 ports. Those ports are even wider than the 50-yard range. Both ranges have full-time range safety officers. In case you have any questions or concerns, they're there to help you. With the news, events, and political shenanigans impacting your freedom, you're listening to Gun For Hire Radio, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. So some housekeeping issues here. I just wanted to thank Dan Schmutter. He left. He had to go to uh, court. Dan Schmutter, again, is from Hartman and Winicki, and he is the man. You can move that up, Jay. So uh, Dan left, uh, and we have Dave Padua came on on the show as well. Dave, I sent you a friend request on Facebook so I could tag you in the post, so make All sure right. you friend me, otherwise I'll find you. I will. A uh, <laughs> couple of things. NJ SafeCon is going to be September 22nd at Cumberland County, in, County, in, County College in Vineland. It's njsafecon.net. Everybody should be there. Show your support. All the two-way peeps, Schmutter, everybody are going to be there uh, talking. And if you want to advertise or you want to support it, go to uh, njsafecon.net. Don't forget about our friends over in uh, East Hanover, County Line Firearms NJ. Check out uh, Carlos Negron and uh, support those who support us. So we got you tree guys on now, as we say, in New Jersey. And I don't have any... Whose phone is that? Sandy, is that you? Oh, uh, that, that was I'm the only one that heard that. I had a 70s flashback. You did. Uh, yeah. I don't have uh, I don't have any show dialogue for you guys. So, uh, Mark, Dave, and Jay, lead off. That was our system. A phone call was coming through our internet, okay. right? Yep. Yeah, somebody trying to sell us uh, waterfront property in Arizona again. <laughs> that, that those a lot. ten acres I bought before, I'm yeah, waiting. Right, I'm waiting. San Andreas Fault, right, baby. Boom, it's getting close. Bye. Yosemite's right. Bye, California. Next, Yellowstone. Ooh, big one. The Get land of fruits and nuts yes. submerged. Go ahead, Mark. You can lead right, off because uh, you know well, Jay's going to run it. Dave, you better off, talk um, in the mic real quick. Let's hear your voice. 
is my voice right here. Thank oh, you for having me. You're welcome. There he is. Right. Sounds good. Well, first of all, thanks for having us on again. Uh, it's a pleasure you to know, be up here. You're welcome. Anytime we need updates, go ahead, hit us. All right. I really don't have a whole lot of uh, new updates. Uh, th there's a few interesting things that I'll bring up. Um, all of our paperwork is done, okay? Uh, everything's ha been handed in. Uh, the arguments are all handed in. Right now, we're just waiting on a decision, all right? Now, I've been told by the case manager that we should have a decision mid to late August, all right? So we're already, where are we at? July 20th, okay? So I'm, I'm Maybe looking a month. down the road. Yeah. We could be 30 days away from having a decision. Um, Personally, I feel the decision is probably going to be unfavorable because historically the appellate court agrees with the lower court. That's fine. All right. And we need to make a decision on where do we go after that. Do we want to go federal? Do we want to go to the, uh, through the Superior Court? Supreme. Supreme. Supreme already Court. Been to the Superior Court. So we've been talking about that, and we uh, are leaning towards going federal. Uh, we're also presently... Uh, looking for counsel, talking to some different people about that, kind of shopping around, uh, because if this we think is going to approach the very serious phase very soon, uh, and we're, we're hopeful it does. But what I, di I did bring with me today is, and you know, me and Jay can discuss this a little bit, is the county prosecutor replied to our brief. Now I just want to kind of give you a little visual idea of what we're dealing with. It's about three inches of paper. This is our brief. And this, this is the county? This is the county. 20 pages? This is 15 all pages? Tops? 20, all right. Horrible pages too. Just yeah. I can't even believe the guy went to law school. And it's the same, the same old argument. You see a lot of the arguments in here uh, time and time again. And I think that one of the best, and I went through this last night actually and highlighted some different things they Pretty just much keep reaching its straws well everything is public safety we're densely populated mm -hmm. we, we can't ha we need justifiable need because New Jersey is densely populated and without justifiable need somehow public safety is going to be in jeopardy without justifiable need well I'm not really too sure what that means nor are I Houston's densely populated. Yeah. Well, I visited Delaware last weekend. They're densely populated. Dallas you, you, is You can get a carry permit in Delaware. I, I was enough. at NRA uh, annual meeting in Dallas in May, and it was wall-to-wall -wall people with 85,000 NRA members carried in addition to mm -hmm. the people that live in Dallas. Right. I didn't see anything. Nobody got hit by a straight bullet. No, not at all. So I'll just, I'll just re, uh, read us. a little part here uh, from the, of the county's reply, county prosecutor's reply, okay? Uh, the home is one's castle, and the right to bear arms within is well established. No such right exists when exposing oneself to the public. What oh, she's I guess saying... That, so the keep and bear arms part is... It's gone. It's gone. In New Jersey. First of all, that's okay. a poorly written sentence because one exposing oneself to the public <laughs> just sounds so wrong. <laughs> and, and she's, kind of, she's summarizing here, actually, the, the argument. Um, New Jersey is a densely populated state. 
the risk to others must be weighed against one's right to carry. They've been using this in county after county after county, year after year after year. It's, it's the same old it's from song. 1971. That's the chorus. Yes. There's got to be an internal memo somewhere telling that, all these people in different it's counties verbatim, what. Right? I mean, it, it, it is verbatim. It's it's incredible. You see, from from Essex County, you could pull everyone from Essex County, Bergen County, Passaic County. It's verbatim. It's yeah. a rubber stamp. They pull it. They press a button on LexisNexis. Shit spits out, <laughs> and all of a sudden, th their job is <laughs> well, done. Well, I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have an internal file on how to. Oh, how I'm to sure. How I'm do sure. you but deny the, a carry here's permit? Here's the problem. Here's the problem in Mark's case. Since since uh, 2008, those that interest balancing of uh, the danger to the public is off the table. They're not allowed to do it anymore. That's what, that's what ah, really? the, the basis of the Heller case is you can't decide um, Second Amendment permits, purchase permits, carry permits, none of them right. on a, an interest balancing test as to the danger. They made it very clear. Guns are dangerous in Heller. Yeah. We, and we all right. know that. We all know that. But the Second Amendment itself in 1780, uh, 1793, was interest balancing by the people in 1793. The interest balancing has already been done. The the danger was weighed because we needed, which is actually very funny, we needed the militia for the common defense, which is public safety. <laughs> right. So they're saying they're right. saying the they're saying the exact opposite of why we actually needed the militia. <laughs> now here, here's another, another interesting piece in here, and I'm just actually this is hitting me right now pretty good. At the conclusion of the hearing. Judge Blank's decision was consistent with Chief Blank in that he found petitioner, meaning me, did not meet his burden in establishing a justifiable need. Judge Blank noted that he believed the petitioner's concerns. However, that New Jersey law did not permit, did not permit a carry permit in such circumstances. They're admitting that I have concerns. They're admitting that I have... That those concerns are valid. Uh, that my concerns <coughs> are valid, but... It doesn't meet because... The Jersey law does not right. meet the requirements of my circumstances. Now, if the So I'm shit out of luck. Yeah, pretty much. Unless, now, of course, if the coroner presents the case for you... Then you'll get, th your, then carry you'll get your carry permit. Right. Well, I can give it to my wife. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. throw it into the cast. I yeah. need to chime in on that because you. One of the things, like when we talk about spreading the word, we have to stop saying the law says because the law doesn't say. Right. Mark didn't establish need. It's not the law. It's now the code 1354-2.4 D1 that established that you have to have urgent necessity. And what they keep throwing around is the Sicardi rule, which comes from Sicardi in 1971, right. and 1971. they keep throwing around priests. Right. It's not the law. It's the way the law was interpreted. interpreted yeah. And really, um, I'm going to say illegally sold by the state police in this in the Sicardi case without without going through the administrative procedures act. So you could read you could read the statutes up and down all day long for a hundred days in a row, and you will never you will never find in the statute where Mark has to come up with a previous attack mm -hmm. or a documented threat that he turned into his police right. department. It's not in there. Right. Hey, I got a two-part question. Who determines justifiable need, and the person who determines justifiable need, do they know the definition to justifiable need? 
in my case, uh, and actually John Giuliard's case, because me and John both went to court in the same county at the same time, same judge, same prosecutor, but different police chiefs, okay, uh, who, who determines the, whether or not we have justifiable need? Ultimately, the prosecutor does. The prosecutor is the one that really runs the show. Yep. All right. And um, what I witnessed, uh, I, I went first, um, and my... I, I kind of rushed mine along. I wanted to get it over with. I knew where I was going with it. It was my second time there. When John got up, um, it was interesting because I was actually able to sit back and watch this and watch how it worked. All right. So it was kind of like watching a TV show. And what I saw was, um, what do they call it? Uh, I called it a theater of bullshit, I, th I believe. That's <laughs> um, what it is. You, you have the judge begins, the prosecutor chimes in, and then the chief chimes in and what you see is the three of them going back and forth and gelling together a predetermined reason yeah on why this man should be denied what is the definite justifiable the definition of justifiable need i think justifiable needs actually in three parts you need specific threats a special purpose or a special need an urgent necessity okay now you can go in and have two of those but you may not have number three the hardest one to get your hands on is urgent necessity urgent necessity is the one I believe from what I've seen is when people say you actually dra have to drag your your the, the guy who wants to murder you to court that's the urgent necessity part of this because in Gilliard's case he actually brought his urgent necessity in with him on paper he brought his threat in with him on paper his threat is real this he has a documented threat it's documented. he has a documented threat that he brought in in, in on paper okay and what the prosecutor told John was well since you really haven't ran into that threat you don't have urgent necessity so what he needed to do is being a, a member of the Bloods or Crips with him directly in, who is carrying, who would then probably get off because they couldn't prosecute him under the new yeah. laws in New Jersey because he would probably be an illegal immigrant. And John would probably be thrown in jail for a hate crime accusing the Blood or Crip of menacing him the way we're going today you're absolutely right yep. that's probably what would have yeah. happened um, so Dave I, I there is no clear Dave when we come back we're going to ask you how it feels to be discriminated against I'll answer it everything I do cell phones, no video games, no electronic devices, no interruptions. Just your favorite gun, a couple boxes of ammo, and time spent together. The folks at Gun For Hire Woodland Park Range believe there's no time like the present, and no present like time. Step through their doors, and you'll feel time stand still. It may look like a luxury shooting range, but what they really sell is the perfect day. And perfect memories are made from perfect days. 
Gun for Hire Woodland Park Range, where family memories begin. They said it wouldn't last. That was just wishful thinking. Gun for Hire Radio, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Seven years running. And this segment is brought to you by Gunsitters, Gunsitters.com and their military division, Weapons Guard. Check out Gunsitters.com. Their main location is in Whippany. They have one in Easton, PA, one in Salisbury, Maryland. You can store your contraband there. If you're going through a divorce, legal issues or anything, Gunsitters.com, their military division, Weapons Guard, they will store your firearms for free while you're being deployed, while you're being transferred, whatever it may be. You don't have to sell your stuff. You know, if you have a handgun that's not Hawaii compliant, you're being transferred to Hawaii, you can't take that gun with you. You can't leave that pistol home with your parents or your wife in New Jersey. That would be illegal. They'll hold the gun for free for you. So check out Gunsitters.com. So, Dave, going to the mag ban now, uh, retired cops are exempt. They can carry 15-round magazines. And part of our lawsuit with ANGRPC and the NRA is, why didn't you allow prior military? And you're a, prior, you're a Marine, right? Yeah, affirmative. So how do you feel about that, that you can't uh, exercise that right? You served our country. I mean, we realize that we're a third-class citizen now. We have the political elites, then we have the illegals, and then there's us serfs on the bottom, right? So now they put you in that category with us even further, veterans, because we had a guy on the show three weeks ago, service dogs for our troops that have post-traumatic stress disorder take three to five years for the VA to supply us a service right. dog, and this guy trains them and gives them away for free. Right. I've donated this year $6,000 through Canine for Warriors from our red, white, and blue memberships to buy service dogs for veterans that are coming home that need them. So now you're pushed down even further. So you served our country, got out with honor, and you can't have a 15-round magazine either. How do you feel? Well, <laughs> you're... You're opening up a lot for me. <laughs> First, I want to say thank you for donating for those service dogs. Me too. Thank you very much. Second, yes, I did serve our country. I am a Marine over 18 years. I was highly experienced. All the credentials you need, I have them. Okay? From training Secret Service to training law enforcement in Canada, all over. I have more training in one year than New Jersey law enforcement. I'm sure. And you know what's funny? So you got a guy. How old are you now? 54. So why would you want a 54-year-old guy? He, his head hasn't exploded yet. Right. Prior military experience, maybe handled marriage, divorce, kids. All of that heavy-duty stress is over. I'm making assumptions here. I'm using my suit. He's not going to. The chances of him blowing his lid. Why wouldn't you want him? on the subway or the bus or the movie theater sitting next to you eating his popcorn and if somebody goes psycho, right? Why not deputize veterans? Because they're carry? systematically working the other way. If you look at the VA system and especially the VA health system, you've got these guys coming out of service right now, out of active service. They're being told to, for their financial benefit, uh, claim that they have PTSD. Because it automatically now disarms them for the rest of their, their lives. Life. Yep. So they don't want a bunch of trained military persons. If you're planning a coup, which if you take a look at what's going on in this country right now, if you're planning a coup, would you want a bunch of trained Marines able to carry firearms? Uh, 
you, I, I listened to you in the last show, and you, one of the things you said is that people need to understand what the Constitution says and means, and what the Declaration of Independence says and means. And the interesting thing, and I wanted to, I wanted to hit on that today, but the interesting thing about it is the whole reason we're all sitting here, and and it's very odd because we're in New Jersey. Yeah. Washington was begging. 54-year-old former Marines, yes. guys with military experience, to show up and fight for him when right. he needed guys. Yeah. And the reason we have the Constitution today that we have is because the states didn't send them. No one ever sent their right. quota of militia. Right. No one ever sent their quota of lead. No one ever sent their quota of powder. They couldn't send guys with tents. They couldn't send guys with camp kettles. And the reason we have and I'm going to use the Second Amendment as actually the third part of, of the secret. It's really in Article 1, Section 8 that, that it's set up. Because we didn't have enough guys, we almost lost the war. Right. But Washington would have begged for you to show up and yes. help him. Yep. He would have yep. begged for you to come train his him. young guys. Yeah, right, exactly. And you would have. And and that's because of guys like you that left their farm and showed up, that left their boot-making shop and showed up. We won by the narrowest of narrowest margins. But when we get to the Constitutional Convention, all those guys realize we almost lost the war. And we have to fix it. We can't rely on the states to voluntarily send troops and money because they're not going to do it. And that's, and that's why the system is set up the way it is. Even though they, they never wanted us to have a standing army. Look at the, the most correct. And the most important thing, I think, the most important point we're making here is that nobody really knows this. Nobody studies history anymore. The kids don't know history anymore. Do you know you can graduate from George Washington University with a degree in history and never have to take an American history course today? Yep. That's the whole progressive thing. Dave, you know, the, when the NRA was started in 1871, the generals, after the Civil War, re realized that the northern boys were sissies. They all worked in offices mm -hmm. and factories. They didn't know how to shoot, so we have to train a militia. So if we have another war with a foreign power or in our country, again, when we call up the reserves, they're all trained. That was the original concept with the CMP, Civilian Marksmanship Program, and everything with the NRA, that we have all of these people that, that you know, think about it. If you grew up in South Carolina, you learned to shoot at eight years old to feed the family. But if you grew up in New York or Boston, you didn't know how to do that. You had a quill pen exactly. or you worked in your dad's shop right. or something. Right. And they didn't, they didn't know how to shoot a gun. Right. So, but but this is this is a this we're using this angle because they excluded you guys. Exactly. And you know, two of my employees are plaintiffs in the case, and they're both prior military. So they're saying they're being discriminated upon for this as well. And we're you. And then when we're done with that, if we get you guys approved, then the next step is to say, well, what about us serfs? Exactly. Now, why are we different from you because you served your country? I'm a law-abiding citizen. He, you know, he's a law-abiding citizen. Jay, come on, chime in a little bit here. You're, you're, Jay, you should be speaking at SafeCon. We should talk to John Willett. He should I, I, speak. Back to your, back to your comment on the Declaration of Independence. It's, it's like the eleventh or twelfth clause, the eleventh or twelfth reason that Jefferson gave as to why we were declaring independence. One was for keeping a standing, ar standing army among us in times of peace. Right under that is. Uh, usurping the civil authority with the military authority, which was going on with uh, Gage up in Boston taking over as the military governor. That, believe it or not, is still in our our Constitution today. I, I brought a piece I wanted to read to you Please guys. Do. This is from William Livingston speaking to the New Jersey Assembly while they're 
voting on whether or not they're going to get into the Articles of Confederation. So it's uh, 1516 June 1778. It is wisely provided in the sixth article that no body of forces shall be kept up by any state in time of peace except such number only as in the judgment of the United States and Congress assembled shall be deemed requisite to garrison the forts necessary for the defense of such state. We think it ought also to be provided and clearly expressed that no body of troops be kept up by the United States in time of peace except such number only as shall be allowed by the assent of nine states. A standing army, a military establishment, and every appendage thereof in time of peace is totally abhorrent from the ideas and principles of this state. Hmm. So, let me just explain something going back to Article 1, Section 8. One of the problems we had in the war was Congress didn't fund Washington. It was very hard to actually yeah. keep troops. So he also needed the militia. That didn't work. I just explained to you, um, I have all the papers of William Livingston, like six volumes. The, the amount of letters back and forth with him in Washington, Washington trying to get New Jersey to send guys out, send lead out, send powder out, is ridiculous. Livingston knows if we lose the war, they're, they're going to hang him. So he starts to use his personal fortune to start sending Washington powder and lead and food and camp kettles and everything else that he needs. But in the debates of the Constitution, August 23rd, 1787, George Mason, who is Washington's go-to guy, he, he and Washington put together the original Fairfax County militia. George Mason on the Committee of Eleven realizes, look, we almost lost the war because we didn't pay the troops we didn't have enough militia, turns out. The states did an awful job of this thing. We're going to put together the Article 1, Section 8. We're going to put the military clauses together where it's the federal government now has the power to tax and raise money and create the armed forces when we need them and garrison some forts on the borders when we need them. And we're not going to have the fear of the standing army because we're going to check them with what Purpose B Defense and uh, the Selective Draft Law cases call the Militia Clauses, which is Clause 15 and 16. We're going to check the standing army with the militia. But because Mason knows we almost lost the war, he puts the power of arming the militia and the power of regulating the militia, which is not giving them 2C58-4, regulating the militia mm -hmm. is specifying the, specifying the weapon, specifying right. the caliber, specifying the magazine, specifying what backpack you're going to use, what belt you're going to use, what As load to bearing what you need, what you have to have. What you have to have. Not what you're limited to. That's what, what people don't understand. Exactly. So the founders put this check in there. They took everything away from the states because the states were terrible to protect us. For anyone to now assume that in 2018, the founders would have thought the states could come back and castrate the militia by giving them a 66% disadvantage on their magazine when the military is using a standard 30-round capacity magazine <laughs> and going, you know what, you're a check on the standing army, but screw mm -hmm. you, you get in the firefight, you only get 10 rounds. They would never do that. It makes absolutely no right. sense. Correct. So... I think, and I, and I know it was very exciting with Schmutter here, I think sometimes, sometimes we rely on the Second Amendment too much. The Second Amendment wasn't really a check on 
the standing army. The Second Amendment was a check on the power we gave the co mm -hmm. Congress in Article right. 1, Section 8, Clause That's 15. Right. And it didn't go back to the states because they, they already screwed it up. And it didn't go back to Congress because we couldn't, we're trying to check them. So who did they give it to? They gave it to another branch, the people. So the check came to us. But, but really, if you're an attorney general for the United States, you could actually come after New Jersey right now under Article 1, Section 8, Clause yes. 16, yes. and say you have no authority mm -hmm. to do a 10-round magazine limit. The standard capacity weapon of of the military is 30 rounds, and that and that is good for everybody. When we talk about a former Marine coming back to train the troops, we really still operate under the 1792 militia regulations of von Steuben and one of von Steuben's first two pages of the militia regulations were the militia will carry the exact same weapon the exact same magazine the exact same ammunition the exact same caliber the exact same tent the exact same camp kettle as the regular troops and in and and be, because we almost lost the war because we had 15 different calibers guys guys had black powder with flint guys had cartridges it was just it was just a mess and so von, von Steuben's first regulation was, we all have done the same thing. So to then, in 2018, New Jersey go, eh, we don't care what we said back in 1775. We really like to have a standing army, which is not really a standing army. It's now the state police has become the yep. tax That's right, collecting yeah. force, right? I mean, it's yep. almost like we've gone full circle now, mm -hmm. and they're not wearing red coats, they're wearing light blue coats, but if they're, that's the standing army. And, and we're going to castrate the people because we want them to pay more taxes. That's right. How's that for a close of the show? Uh, I want to talk about their case. GoFundMe.com forward slash restore dash carry dash NJ. GoFundMe.com restore dash carry dash NJ. This will help out Mark and Jay and uh, Jay to get this case through. Uh, I just real quick, we talked about SafeCon, we talked about me, Dan Schmutter helped out here. A uh, couple of classes, we have uh, our Urban Pistol 1 and 2. Become an NRA instructor starts August 4th. BIT, Rifle, Pistol, Shotgun, and Range Safety Officer. April 18th, there's one slot left for Urban Precision Rifle. Learn how to shoot out to 1,500 yards. God forbid, that's not for me. And my mentor and master is coming back in October, October 4th, 5th. October 4th through 7th, Masada Ayub will be here, MAG-20 and MAG-40. Uh, Dave, I want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your service. Thank Mark you, and Jay, I want to thank both of you guys for sticking your necks out and getting in trouble and doing. I can share my story someday online. I still can't share my whole story, but yeah. when you stick your neck out far, it, the, sometimes it Somebody's gets stretched gonna, or, yes, cut or cut off. Mine got stretched. It didn't get cut off, but they, I await that. They tried. Okay? So us 200 active people out there, let's try to get 200 more active people 200, out there. 200,000. Too good, thank God. I, from your mouth to God's ears, yeah. two hundred thousand should all apply for a permit on the same day. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. let's all start should. that. Hey, how does everybody get in touch with you guys, you three guys, if yes. they want to? I mean, do you want to give out your? Uh, how you do know, you want Facebook somebody to whatever? reach out to you, Mark? Mark's got the Facebook page. What is it? The Facebook page is fine. Uh, New Jersey Firearm Syndicate page. New Jersey Firearm Syndicate page. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Great. Well, it looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun for Hire Radio. <laughs> Gun for Hire Radio is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, LLC, New York, New York, under the license of Broadcast Music Incorporated. I'm Sandy Barani. On behalf of my co-host, Master Trainer Anthony Calandro, and the rest of the crew here at Gun for Hire Radio, we do thank you so much for listening. Winston, time to say goodbye. <coughs>
We love you guys. See you next week. Thanks. What's up, Bob?